the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Welcome to another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Gennetti. It is Monday, November 13th. Week 10 of the NFL season is almost at a close. We're going to get there in just a second with three quarterback contract valuation discussions. Maybe not the three players you think I'm going with today. Uh, previously mentioned in some capacity, but we're going to dive pretty deep on these three. And there's a new article live at spotrit.com fully diving into the three quarterbacks that I'm about to get to. But I would be remiss if I did not start with college football. I know, not something we track at Track. Certainly something we pay attention to. Our friends at Sportico always do a great job with breaking down some of the numbers. USA Today has always done a great job with coaching discussions. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jimbo Fisher's removal from Texas A&M after just an absolute Hall of Fame back-to-back contract negotiation process. Jimbo Fisher got a 10-year, $75 million contract in 2017. He was the active coach of Florida State. That's what it took to get him away. They paid all the buyout from Florida State, and they paid him a a $75 million contract over 10 years to draw him into Texas A&M. That was step one. Then he does well, gets in a fighting match with Nick Saban, all all the things you want as an SEC coach. September 2021, COVID is on its way out, but still pretty prevalent, right? So the world is clamping down, financially speaking, but not college football. A brand new extension through 2031 at 95 million, fully guaranteed. Those are the numbers that Jimbo Fisher assessed in four seasons, essentially. 2017 to 2021. The fully guaranteed is the part we have to discuss because it is now November of 2023 and he has been removed. And this was not an easy decision. I can guarantee you that. I know the money's stupid and this proves it to the nth degree. Jimbo Fisher is about to walk away with $77.6 million in terms of a buyout. It's about $27 million over the next six months. By March of 2024, they owe him $26.6 million. Okay. Then it's $7 million plus, about $7.3 every year through 2031. That was the fully guaranteed buyout portion. Additionally, and I looked into this because I couldn't believe it, the buyout does not contain offset language, which means Jimbo Fisher can now walk into one of these colleges that is about to fire their coach, or maybe already has. We've seen a half dozen big names already go. He can walk into another organization and start at zero. Nothing he earns elsewhere will impact this Texas A&M buyout. If I'm wrong, I've read 15 places that have told me otherwise. But there is no offset language according to what I've seen. And it's $77 million guaranteed through 2031. That is pretty damn good work if you can get it. All right. He's got a winning record. But not since 2001. And he's not winning the games that matter. And he's not beating the teams that matter. And that's all that matters in the SEC. We've seen it a million times. Good coaches 
with good records, with good standing, with good clout, with the ability to recruit, get tossed aside because of three bad wins. Why is it so important? Because beating those teams makes that university millions. It's why coaches can get paid what they get paid. When you beat specific teams, whether it's your rival, whether it's certainly a divisional game, all the money starts pouring in. Merch, the works, advertising, of course. It's how it's done. It's how it's been done for a long time. They're not going to break that model. Jimbo was becoming a bad, marketable coach. That was going to impact recruiting. It was certainly going to impact the brand of Texas A&M football, which is the absolute... It's like, it's like the pitch in English Premier Soccer. You don't step foot on it unless you're actually playing in the game. It is the masterpiece, the canvas. The brand of a college football program is its canvas. It's why, despite the fact that I think they might win the national championship, Michigan is probably going to move on from Jim Harbaugh. And they're going to pay him now. Not nearly that conversation. And I'm trying to confirm those numbers because Jim Harbaugh has not yet extended his contract. We talked about it a while ago when he renegotiated his contract after he went through some BS. He was not winning the games. He was not being Ohio State. He, he basically took a pay cut, donated a bunch of it to charity, built in a bunch of incentives if he were to win games and started to earn some of that money back with some wins. But now he's here. This is a peak season. This is Michigan's probably best chance in decades to get to the finish line. And they may have to move on from Harbaugh because even when they win that championship and make all that money, the second he has to sit down with somebody, he's now got two strikes against him, one before the season and now one in season. And I realize he's probably taken the sword for a bunch of you know, nerdy tech guys that put this thing together. He certainly had his hand in it. You know, it's just the nature of the beast, but that's what's about to happen. Jimbo Fisher was great. The second he wasn't. And by the way, most universities probably don't wait this long. Okay. And they're six and four this fall. Six and four for most universities in the SEC is an immediate firing. When there's 77 million riding on it as a, in a buyout, there were probably a lot of people in that room saying, yeah, but. And still it happened. So now you know how powerful things can get because this is the biggest buyout in the history of college football and it's not even close. There's a wonderful piece on The Athletic, I believe, discussing that part of it and just the history of where things have gone. If you want to continue, this is what it was. I've got it now in front of me. Excuse me. Gus Malzahn was the previous leader in the clubhouse. And I believe we discussed this a year and a half ago at 21.4 million. It's $55 million less. Jimbo Fisher just made 55 million more than any buyout in the history of college football. That's what just happened. And it's not going away because his contract was just the start of everybody else's gigantic contract, right? If you, if you just talk about dead buyout money that exists right now, Kirby Smart's at almost 93 million. He's going nowhere. Things are going well. Brian Kelly's at 70 million at LSU, and that's not going great. So let's keep our eyes on that one for a bit. James Franklin, 
is at 65 million in Penn State. They were chanting his name with booze as after the, as they left the Michigan game this past Saturday. Let's keep our eyes on that. Dabo Sweeney, 64 million in Clemson. He did get a signature win this past week, but it hasn't been pretty. All right. So the top five buyouts in college football, four out of the five, if we include Fisher now, massively in question. So this could just be the start of a ridiculous process this winter that includes hundreds of millions of dollars of college coaching money going by the wayside and into their hands. So we knew these conversations were coming because the money was stupid at the front end, right? When Jimbo signed that $95 million extension, at some point in time, the neck was going to get cut off. I didn't think it'd be 2023, basically 18 months later, but here we are. And universities are afraid of nothing when it comes to this stuff. Again, brand over everything. $77.6 million was not enough to say, we have to start this process over today. It's insane, but it's reality. And like I said, we may see this times three before the winter is over. All right, NFL stuff. Um, some quick thoughts before I get to these, these contract breakdowns. The Trevor Lawrence stock is really dipping a little bit here. All right. Um, I was pretty confident that he and two were going to go neck and neck here and reset in this market. I'm still pretty confident that if Tua stays healthy, he's going to that mark. And I'm mostly confident that that Trevor Lawrence will eventually get there. Um, this Jags team is inconsistent. They kind of feel like Buffalo a little bit where they're going to bounce back and forth week to week. They really haven't had the injuries that some of these organizations can kind of cling on to. So it may just be, you know, a lull in the season. He's going to need to pick it up personally to really warrant getting himself into that $55 million per year market. The age is right. The resume is okay. I still think at the end of the day, Jacksonville says, we're not starting over. We have our coach. We have some weapons. Let's pay Kelvin Ridley, et cetera, et cetera. And Trevor Lawrence gets the contract he deserves, but it's floundering. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm going to say this again. I may have to say it every week. CJ Stroud cannot be extended for two more years until after 2025. So let's pump the brakes on that one. However, we're looking at maybe the greatest rookie season in the history of college football at that position. So enjoy it. And Houston's coming out of nowhere with a coach that clearly knows what the hell's going on. And a GM that I have to give way more credit than I have been because this is a GM that intelligently signed 30 guys on one-year contracts for basically three straight off-seasons. In other words, we're committing nothing to nothing until we figure some things out. And I think the coach (laughs) was the thing they had to figure out. Now, they threw Lovey Smith under the bus. Everybody knew what that was going to be. But removing him from this process to bring in D'Amico Ryans clearly was the calculated move that they'd been waiting for. And Anybody coming out of that San Francisco organization appears to be absolute gold, all right? Because the Dolphins immediately took their step forward. And yes, they added Tyree Kill. Houston immediately took their step forward. And yes, they added CJ Stroud. So one hand is certainly feeding the other here, but the relationships that are being built, right? I don't think Mike McDaniel's offense looks nearly as good without Tyree Kill. Let's put it that way. 
And there's no way anything Houston has done from a coaching standpoint looks nearly as good without C.J. Stroud being able to mentally handle this and physically handle this because he looks like Peyton Manning in his heyday. He is quickly finding an open target and absolutely slinging that rock. And I don't know what else you could ask for right now in this day. He's moving a little bit now, which is scary for some Houston fans, I'm sure. But this is about as good as we've had, right? This is RG3 with a bigger arm, with less running. Not, not that he's incapable of it. He's just not doing it, which is good from an injury standpoint. And an offense that really doesn't have a true number one weapon. Tank Dell is somebody, you know, and, and the Devin Singletary show sort of opened up yesterday for the first time, something that Buffalo fans knew was, was available to him. So there's guys there, you know, they've rebirthed Dalton Schultz back as a tight end option. This is a legitimate slam dunk team for, a, for somebody like T Higgins, right? You want to throw T Higgins now into this mess with Mechie and Dell. That's a real conversation. And I expect those kind of moves coming from this Houston organization on both sides of the ball because the sky's the limit. You know, if we kind of flip forward to 2024 and I'm still working on some of those preliminary numbers, Houston's going to be top five in cap space without even trying. So you want to you want to talk about a team that's going to be a fringe contender this year for the playoffs, maybe even the division if it all shakes down this way. And the knowledge that they have their quarterback and they have their coach, sky's the limit. All right. Texas Rangers type spending this offseason if they want it, if the available bodies are there. So complete 180 for this organization. Again, it's it's one hand feeding the other, but look out if CJ Stroud has even a slight regression next year, which is expected, look out because they're going to bolster this offense. I expect them to bolster this offensive line through the draft and just keep this train running. It's, it's really exciting. Uh, credit to everybody in that organization, including those that understood what CJ Stroud could be and let him loose on this offense. All right. Speaking of good quarterback play, let's get to some of these names. There's a piece on spotrack.com called Financial Predictions for Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, and Joshua Dobbs. Yep, I did it because it's important. This isn't just a starting quarterback league right now, all right? But Jared Goff is the Detroit Lions starting quarterback. That is something I know for sure. Uh, this is a match made in heaven. We know that Jared Goff on any organization, if, if he just picked a, a random team, would not be this efficient. We know it. We know he is not an, a naturally elite top-tier quarterback, even though he was taking number one overall back in 2016. We know it because Sean McVay said he wasn't, okay? And I trust that whole process. However, it just so happens that he was traded to the one team and the one organization that knew exactly what to do with him and knew exactly how to build around him. And they're not even done yet, all right? Because they've got an offensive line to bolster, and certainly a defense to bolster, so they don't, they don't get in these shootouts like they did in yesterday against the Chargers. All right, that's something they have to address this coming spring. But for now, Jared Goff is 100% comfortable in everything that Detroit is asking him to do, and he's headed for an expiring contract in 2024. Now, it's not the worst I've seen. All right, he, do, he is slated to make $26.6 million next year. None of it's guaranteed. There's a $5 million roster bonus built in there for March, so... I guess there's not a huge rush here, except for this. 
All right. And if I broke this down into a piece, instead of going through our valuation process, and I've done it with all of them, I know exactly where these guys hit in terms of numbers in our system. I simply just looked at where they were right now. All right. So Jared Goff with the Rams after that Super Bowl appearance was a $33.5 million player. All right. And that was a while ago. That was 2019, which at that time was just under 18% of the league cap. If we just fast forward that to today, because you have to think Detroit is internally discussing this contract extension right now. Why? Because why would we wait for Tua to extend and Trevor Lawrence to extend and Kirk Cousins to extend and Dak Prescott to extend? Why would we wait? Because we're only going to get closer to 60 million at the top of the market if we do that. So if Goff's here and he likes it here and he's willing to, to extend, let's just do it right now and get ahead of those five or six contracts coming. I don't know if that's likely, but it's certainly on the table. So let's just say today, 17.8%, which is what his current AAV represents, 17.8 of the current league cap is exactly 40 million a year, which I can tell you right now is exactly what he values in our system. Value is the wrong word here though, all right? This guy has already out, out kicked his coverage on this contract. Everybody knows it. Is he an elite quarterback? No. Does he deserve to be the $55 million per year quarterback? No. And he won't be. There's no need for Detroit to go that route, all right? Especially if the conversation is, look, we got a bunch of pieces now. The Aiden Hutchinsons of the world, right? The Gibbs of the world. We need to stagger this thing, balance this thing so that everybody gets paid and this train can stay together for six years. Not 10, six, right? Goff's 29. That's another part of this. Okay, we're going to talk about Cousins, who's 35. So while statistically... There's a ton of crossover here between those, between those two players, division and all that. We're talking six years of age difference. So we're thinking much more long-term and honestly much more fruitful for Jared Goff. And Detroit shouldn't be shy about this, all right? If 17.8% of the cap this year is 40, and we're assuming a 245 cap next year, that would mean 44 million, all right? So for right now, let's just say, Jared Goff is, is asked to come into the front office today. What I would be offering him on the table is five new years, 210 million new money, 168 million of that practically guaranteed. You want to say 120 of it's fully guaranteed at signing? Fine. But almost 170 of that 210 is going to be his over the next four years because that four years is this window, right? Packers are sliding. Chicago can't figure it out. This is the window right now in that division. Really, you're just competing with our next player, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. We'll get to it. So I'm offering $42 million per year on the table right now for a four-year guarantee. They come back and say forty-five. I get it because I just did two seconds of math and got the 44 starting next March. If it ends up at $45 million a year, I'm not going to be surprised one bit. If it ends up at 50, I'm a little surprised, all right? Because I think Detroit went above where they had to go. Even though it's a match made in heaven, they can't let this one get away. But if Jared Goff's asking for 50 right now, I think I'm letting this contract expire. I think I'm playing him out on 26-6 and letting this thing get to a Kirk Cousins type area where we're going to have to negotiate basically with free agency on the line. Because guess what I have? I have the franchise tag. And I would use it on Jared Goff. So the Lions could potentially slow play this. Now, 
would there be five other teams bidding for Jared Goff's services? I don't think so. And I don't think that would be the case with Kirk Cousins either. All right. But Detroit does have a little leverage here. They do have a roster that Goff should not want to leave. And age and everything else are in their favor. So my offer right now to him is five years, 210, 168 practically guaranteed over the next four seasons. But we'll see. Time can only tell. And there's another eight weeks of NFL football to get to where, you know, things could fall off or trail off a little bit. But I don't think that's going to happen with this offense. I think this is an offense that is potent enough to make it through the winter months and makes and do some damage in this postseason. I don't think they're the best team in the NFC, but I think they're one of them. And that's pretty damn important for a team that hasn't been in that conversation for as long as I can remember. All right, Kirk Cousins, 35 years old, tore his Achilles, and the guy who's replacing him has quite a story, as we're going to get to right now. All of that said, Kirk Cousins returning to Minnesota on an extension, maybe it's late, maybe it's a free agent contract, maybe it gets to March 13th, and then they start doing their work. But Cousins returning to be the quarterback of the Vikings should still be the betting favorite, to me, by a lot. All right. Yeah. Atlanta might be calling. San Francisco might want to sniff around this because I know that Shanahan wants this kind of player in his system. But I don't, I, I don't think that there's any reason. I don't think Kirk Cousins has done anything enough, enough right? The negatives ha- sh- clearly have not been enough to want to move on from this player. I don't know why extension talks broke down. That has not become public. His agent has been extremely meticulous about short contracts that are fully guaranteed. Here's how it's gone. Since he left Washington back in 2018, it was a three-year, $84 million fully guaranteed free agent contract, kind of the first of its time before Mr. Watson got involved. They then signed a two-year, $66 million fully guaranteed extension to lower the current salary cap and hand him a bunch more cash. And then this past year, there was a one-year, $35 million guaranteed extension to finish off 2023. So those are the three contracts that Minnesota has dealt with Kirk Cousins. $28 million a year, $33 million a year, $35 million a year. Really not even near the top of the market. Lower second tier in terms of AAV. However, fully guaranteed, which is a trade-off more players in this league should be identifying. You want to go and get your $50 million and have to finagle the contract three times to make sure you get your four years out of it? I get it. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. Let your agent do the work. You want to keep it clean, make a boatload of money, and not have to worry about tearing your, your Achilles tendon in week six because you're fully guaranteed? I get that too. All right? Now, Cousins denied this recent extension from Minnesota, so... There, was, there could have been a world where he had more fully guaranteed money on the books. He did not. So he's playing with a little bit of fire right now for the kind of the first time in his career. However, if we just take those three contracts that I mentioned from a cap percentage standpoint, like I did with Jared Goff a minute ago, he's been living in the 15 to 16% range. So where Goff was near 18, Cousins is around 15 and a half, 16%. Let's shoot high, 16. If we assume next year is going to be 245. of that is $39.2 million per year, which I can tell you right now is exactly what Kirk Cousins values in our system. Now, 
different conversation, right? I mentioned, I immediately threw the term value out with Jared Goff. Should I do that here with Cousins, who's 35 going on 36, who is rehabbing a nasty injury, and for all intents, won't have six offers on the table on March 13th? You know, he may have three, but not six. So I don't think it makes sense to do what I did with Goff and push the envelope a, a bunch and say, if it gets the 45 million a year, I wouldn't be surprised. Pre-Achilles injury, you want to tell me that he's a $45 million quarterback? I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. But I, I think some reality has to come into play here um, with age and injury and rehab and all that stuff. It's just we've seen too many quarterbacks not return to full boat because of an injury like this at this age. So let's just keep it simple. The Vikings retain him at three years, 120 million, 40 per year. And two of those years are fully guaranteed. So it gets another 80 million fully guaranteed. It's not what they want to do, but it's what they should do. They should guarantee Kirk Cousins for the next two years and allocate plenty of resources to this aging defense and go from there. Will they draft a player in the second round and try to make that their bell cow? Maybe. Yeah, we've seen a lot of teams try to do that and just say, look, we're not going to go 100 million guaranteed anymore. We're just going to start this thing over the draft and hope it works out. Boy, hope is the right word though, right? We've seen a lot of teams slide all the way back down when they make that kind of decision. I just think right now, he's the best option, all right? It is, it is a, an older conversation of Jared Goff in, in Detroit. Cousins has been the right option for this team in the regular season for whatever reason. He hasn't been able to unlock the postseason side of it, but that's a franchise problem. That's not a Kirk Cousins problem, all right? So Cousins, three new years, 120 million. 80 million fully guaranteed through two years. And we're not done with Minnesota because their current quarterback, Josh Dobbs, is having a moment. And I'm not going to overreact to this. In fact, if you read the article, I flat out tell you, (laughs) Josh Dobbs is not a starting quarterback. All right. He's done nothing to prove that he's an 18 week franchise altering starting quarterback. If anything, he is Ryan Fitzpatrick by the way, was a starting quarterback, just not for 18 weeks in any capacity. Okay. The Bills tried to make him their franchise player with, with a six-year, $60 million extension, and it backfired in like six months, truly. All right. He was out the door, I believe, in 10 months, traded out. So you don't want to get too cute with this kind of stuff. The, the, the storyline, the headline, the sense of the, everything about it is just magical. All right. And that's what it is. He has an unbelievable mental aptitude for the game in Josh Dobbs. And I think Fitzpatrick had this as well. Yeah, yeah, Harvard jokes, I get it. He's never going to be the most physically gifted quarterback in the league. However, he's able to run, he's able to sling it, and he's able to read defenses. You will find work for the next 10 years in this league if you have those three things. So the conversation for me is, what do we do with a player who is a fringe starter, right? A half season starter that can also come in at any point in time and keep your offense alive. That has extreme value. In fact, I mentioned it in the last week's show. When are we going to start talking about teams, contending teams, not punting on that QB two, but actually saying, let's pay somebody enough money to not go seeking an actual starting job somewhere 
but rather to sit behind our our phenomenal superstar QB1, put in the work every damn week as basically a practice squad player, and stay ready and mentally healthy enough to come in at a moment's notice and not have our season be ruined if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt or Josh Allen gets hurt, etc. I think it's coming. And oh, by the way, let's make it Minnesota. <laughs> okay. If they're going to pay Kirk Cousins two for 80, essentially, why not pay Josh Dobbs two for something? And I'll give you that number in a second to be that just in case quarterback. Because now with Cousins rehabbing this Achilles injury, and now Dobbs getting a handle on this offense, something he doesn't even need apparently, this to me seems like the best one two punch. They don't have a viable option, right? They got a fifth rounder they drafted this past year. They've kind of been in and out, right? Kellen Mond was a was an absolute blow in the wind, and he moved on quicker than he started. They have never really ad- adopted, since Case Keenum, I guess, an actual backup quarterback that could come in and make, th- make things happen. Dobbs clearly is that player. So not only do we have to talk about a Justin Jefferson contract, but now I'm giving the Vikings two quarterback contracts to discuss because I think it makes an absolute boatload of sense. Yes, keep Cousins, but yes, keep Dobbs, not only because the kid can play, but because he's learning your system. I think he's going to flourish in it. And Kirk Cousins may need that handcuff because of age and injury. So let's do Cousins at three for 120, 80 million guaranteed. Let's do Josh Dobbs at two for 18 with 9 million guaranteed. Why? Quickly. Right now, the highest cash paid backup quarterbacks in football, not named Ryan Tannehill, doesn't count because he just became a backup quarterback an hour and a half ago, are Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh and Jacoby Brissett in Washington. Each of them will make $8 million this year in terms of base contract. Trubisky's played 50 snaps. Brissett hasn't even touched the field. Doesn't matter. $8 million for both of them. That represents 3.5% of this, this current league salary cap. So let's say that's the marker. And if we bump up to 245 next year, we're talking $8.5 million. All right? So I've bumped it to 9 for Dobbs. We'll essentially make it a 1 for 9 and then a $9 million option for 2025 if things are going well. Or that's an extremely tradable one for $9 million if Minnesota wants to move on after, this, after the 2024 season. You got to keep that in mind. Dobbs has already shown he can go anywhere, drop in and go. So let's put him on a contract that could be traded and get an asset back for him in 2024, 25 if we need to. So there's a lot of reasons to do what I'm, what I'm projecting here, what I'm predicting here. I don't know why either of these two players would leave Minnesota. That's my point. I think Kevin O'Connell has this thing figured out in both regards. Now, postseason's different conversation. But to stay afloat in this division, which shouldn't be difficult for the next couple of years, this is the best answer for all three of these players. Again, quickly, Jared Goff, five years, 210, 168 guaranteed. Kirk Cousins, three years, 120, 80 million guaranteed. And to back him up in Minnesota, Josh Dobbs, two years, 18 million. 9 million fully guaranteed. Those are your three financial predictions for week 10 of the NFL season. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast. <laughs>